the Gospel of Matthew. We'll go back to our teaching in Hebrews. But today I want us to look at something from Matthew's Gospel, one of the parables. Thank you. Matthew 25. Excuse me, I got myself a new Bible when I went to the USO. The pages are so. Matthew 25, I begin reading from verse 14. The parable of the talents. Jesus speaks and says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to the other one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug the ground and hid his lost money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Tell your neighbor a day is coming, the Lord will settle accounts with us. Amen. He's gone on a journey, but he's coming back. Amen. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. Besides them, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. So banking started a long time ago. And the Lord desires to see profit when he comes back. With the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken 
away. Wow. Strong words. Then come with me to the letter to the Hebrews. Chapter 3, we read one verse, verse 5. It says, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. And Moses was indeed faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. So our faithfulness has a testimony. And I pray that one day when the Lord comes to take accounts, may your testimony, based on your faithfulness to what the Lord placed in your hands, speak in the name of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, For it is required in a servant, in a steward, sorry, for it is required in a steward that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Father, we honor you for the richness of your word this morning. We honor you again that it is the entrance of your word that gives light. It brings illumination. It brings understanding. It brings healing. And it gives hope. I pray that this morning you will open the eyes of our understanding into your word. Speak and teach us this morning. I ask for grace that in clarity and in simplicity, I will make your word known to your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people shall say, Amen. This morning, I want to share with us a message that I have titled, Our Stewardship in the Light of Who We Are. Our Stewardship in the Light of Who We Are. If you observed carefully, the passage I read to you from Matthew 25, Jesus commended the one who received five talents and the one who received two talents with the same commendation. The one who received five talents made five more. The one who received two made two more. But Jesus commended them both for their faithfulness and said and used the same words. You have been faithful in little. Even the one he gave, he said, you have been faithful in little. And I will make you a leader of more and enter down into my joy. And said the same words to the one who received. You see, so the key, and we see that Moses was faithful in the household of God. The key word there is faithfulness. And to each one of us, God in his wisdom has given us some talents, trust, and resources. And the Lord requires of you and I that that which he has entrusted unto us, we show ourselves faithful. Because he says a day is coming when he will come to demand accounts. God, you see, God will not go to the unbeliever and ask him to render accounts. Because he's an unbeliever. 
But for you and I, born of the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit with the blessed hope, God, out of the abundance of his grace, almost each one of us here will have a bank account. True or false? Yes. Because our monies is a result of our sweat and hard work. So, unlike some people would do, we don't put our monies under our bed. We take our money to the bank. Because it's our treasure, it's our sweat, it's our blood, it's our hard work. But in the wisdom of God, his treasure is in you and me. Are you hearing me? For we have the treasure of God in these earthen vessels. And that treasure that God has given to us has not only been given to us for giving sake. A time will come that we will have to give accounts. And I can see you being faithful in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And the truth is that for each one of us, he has given and entrusted something to us according to our abilities. In my walk with God, in my encounter with him, and seeing his faithfulness, I have come to observe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek and serve him. The Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget our labor of love. Those who labor in the kingdom, those who sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom, and the truth is that there are people who sacrifice. And there are some people here in this church, here in our church at TBC, had it not been for their toil and work, Sunday when we come here in the morning, all of us will have to be working. Putting this place to order. Had it not been for the stewardship of those who look after the finances of TBC, we wouldn't have been where we are. Had it not been for the stewardship of some in the choir leading worship, playing instruments, ushers and, and protocol coming in here to serve. Leaders leading in the fear of God. There will be no church. God has entrusted something to us and I pray that you will be found faithful. You see, when God finds faithful stewards, he blesses them with contentment. If you are faithful with that which God has given to you, the first thing God gives to you as a gift is contentment. That is when your spirit is at rest. You are no longer looking at what some, you don't live a life of jealousy. You are content. He blesses us also with financial security. You will not go about begging in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, there are some people, no bank will lend to them. So they go to church members. Can you lend me a 50? Can you lend me a 100? Minus you in the name of Jesus. May the Lord teach your heart to be faithful, to be a faithful steward. He blesses us with rest. If you are faithful as a steward, God gives you rest. And the rest of God surpasses any other rest in this world. Because there is a place of rest in him. If you enter into that place, oh, let the wind blow, let the storms blow. Your spirit is at rest. That is when the oceans roar. You are not afraid. 
Because you have found your rest in God. He blesses them with health, with stability. You look at committed and faithful people. They are stable. They are grateful. And God promises and blesses them with promotion. And these things are always repeated over their children. I owe what God is doing in my life first to grace, but also to my mother. My mother was not rich at all. I was brought up by my sister because my mom didn't have it. And my dad became very irresponsible. Very extremely. It was my sister who took me to school. But I stand here by God's grace, educated because of the grace that God placed on my sister. And I know that God has called me into ministry because of the commitment and the stewardship of my mother. Didn't have she just she she sold kenke. She made kenke herself, and people would come and buy and go and say, That's what she did. And it was not enough for all of us. And my mom was a strong Catholic. She would go to the parish clean, clean the church, let the women in collecting foodstuffs to the fathers, to the young Catholics, and, and to the young fathers in the church, in the Catholic church. And when I stand here today, her prayer for me before she died was that I would become a Christian. And most of the times, when I take the microphone to preach, I say, oh Lord, only how I wished my mom would have seen me one day preaching. But I know that she's at a better place. Hallelujah. The truth about faithful stewardship is that it perpetuates and follows you to the next generation. Look at what God said about David. God told the Israelites and their wickedness that I would have cut you off, but for the sake of my servant David. May your stewardship, commitment, and faithfulness be such that when your children make mistakes, God will remember your faithfulness. For the sake of my servant David, I postpone that punishment. Our service to God will take a different turn if we fully come to understand biblical stewardship. Today, the church of the living God is bruised, bruised with so many pain and hurts simply because people are going to places where they should not go. They are indulging in things that, you see, there, there is no shortcut to the blessings of God. Follow what God has said in his word. The only thing that God watches to do is his word. But now, there are so many false prophets, and people are going to them for all kinds of protection, for all kinds of shortcuts, for breakthroughs. Breakthrough is in the Lord and in your service. Oh, is somebody hearing me? It's in your service. 
God is a rewarder. A steward is a servant who manages everything for his master, but he owns nothing. And not until you and I come to a place where we understand that everything in our hands has been given to us by God and that nothing belongs to us, we are in trouble. Follow me very well today. A steward means a house manager. The Greek word is autonomous. A person placed in complete control of his master's household. The Bible says that Joseph was the chief steward in Potiphar's house and was found faithful. And because of that, not only did his faithfulness lead him, understand that David also went to prison because of his faithfulness. If he had not been faithful, he would have taken that scholarship. Hmm. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? No, if David was not faithful with his God, he would have fallen for the traps of Mrs. Potiphar. But his faithfulness, he would not make him sin against his God. Went into prison and even in the prison, he was made the head. Interpreted Pharaoh's dream and became prime minister. From prison to prime minister. If you are faithful and serve well, God's promotion will become evident. The Bible says Moses was faithful in the household of God. No wonder when the people made him rebel against God by striking the rock instead of speaking when he died, God himself buried him and appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah. The truth is that whatever we have here on this earth, we will leave it behind one day and pass it on. That is the fact about life. Unfortunately, but tell your neighbor you will leave a good legacy. Hallelujah. We will pass it on, but what you are going to pass on will be a good legacy. Abraham died and went to paradise and went to heaven. So did Lazarus die and also went to paradise into Abraham's bosom. You can choose to go as Lazarus or you can choose to go like Abraham. But you will go like Abraham in the name of Jesus. Unfortunately, the average Christian is not very good at stewardship. Globally, only 1.7% of Christians give to support their local churches. And in many churches, only 10% of the members serve faithfully and give faithfully to support the church. This is because for many, they genuinely do not understand the blessings that goes with serving and giving. The 10% in many local churches are those who have made a quality decision to trust God at his word. So I still worship in the light of who we are. You see, you will only become faithful in terms of who you are according to the word of God. And I started this some time ago. There are three kinds of people the Bible tells us, the natural man, the spirit-filled man, and the carnal man. 
Can I get the... Uh, the natural man is a self-directed man. Nobody tells him what to do. You look at the life of the natural man. What you see straight away, again, let me take time. You see that in the life of everybody, our lives is like a circle. And in the life of everybody, there is a throne. Personally, I became very grounded in Christianity due to some of these teachings. It helped me. And the truth is that as you look at this circle, you see that there is, a, there is a throne. And so this is a throne, and self is sitting on the throne. So you look at the life of the person that does represents what this man, his ambitions. They are all over the place. And Jesus stands outside of the door of the heart of that person. That person is his own boss. He's, he is his own master. And, and for such a person, when he comes to church uh, and you talk to him about giving or tithing or supporting God's work or giving to missions, they are like foolishness to him. When it is about aid to uh, disasters or offense, yes, that one he lightens up. And the Bible says that 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Hallelujah. So he can't understand it. No, leave my diagrams. Always leave my diagrams for me, yeah? So here, again, we see that, good, Jesus is outside the heart of the person. He's his own boss sitting on the throne of his life. And that circle it's his life. Those spots there represents the ambitions of that person. They are all over the place. Interests are directed by self, often resulting in discord and frustration. For such a person, when it comes to giving in the church of the living God, he doesn't want to know. He is led by his five senses. He does not understand. You see, the Bible says we should not be, we should not be unequally what? So this man does not understand why the wife should go to church every Sunday, be paid and give some of that money to the church, and at the end of the month be talking about his dad. He does not understand. He does not understand why you should go and pray through a whole night. But forgetting the fact that it is the prayer of the wife that is sanctifying him and keeping him whole. But then there is another man. I still worship in the light of who we are. How we will handle our stewardship depends on the kind of Christian we are in the kingdom. But there is a spirit-filled man. And this is the Christ-directed life. In the Christ-directed life, you see that in the first one, Jesus was outside. In the Christ-directed life, the guy has come off the throne, Jesus now sits on the throne. So you see that all his life are properly coordinated. You see order in the life of the man who has totally yielded his life over to Christ. So his, his life is Christ-centered. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He is always talking about others to Christ. He has an effective prayer life. He understands God's word. He trusts God and he obeys God. 
And because he understands God's word and because he trusts God, when it comes to giving in the house of the Lord, of his stewardship, of his money, of his time, it does not become a struggle unto him. Why? Because he understands God's word. And because he understands God's word, he can trust God. And because he trusts God, he walks in total obedience. So giving is not a problem for him. He does not say that. God says I should give a tenth of my tithe to him, but my bills are too much. I have too many responsibilities. The letters coming from Jamaica and Nigeria. And from Otupompom. The bills are too much. So if I'm to pay 10%, I won't survive. But this man obeys God totally. So his life is a life filled with love, joy. He bears fruit, love. He walks in total love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. They are made manifest in his life. He is heavily minded. Heavily good, earthly perfect. Hey, may the Lord make you and I that kind of man in the name of Jesus. This man understands that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Leave the diagram on. Psalm 24 verse 1. He understands that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He understands that God says that the silver is my Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. He understands that God created him in his own image. He knows that his body belongs to God. Genesis 2, 7, God took dust from man, breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. So he understands that this body is the house of the living God. That he has been made and created in the image of God, filled with honor and glory. And that when his forefathers, Adam, sinned, uh, when God made him, God gave us authority. Genesis 1.28, he blessed man and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and exercise dominion. But when man fell, God did not leave us dead. He sent Jesus back to restore us again unto glory and honor. Died our death on the cross, became a substitute. And the Bible makes it quite clear that the spiritual man understands that he has been bought with a prize. Therefore, he knows that this body is not his own. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. He knows that for none of us lives unto himself. And that if one dies, he dies unto the Lord, and if we live, we live unto the Lord. Therefore, whether in life or in death, he understands that his life belongs to God. And because of that, he walks in total obedience. He trusts God. He has taken time to study the word of God, and he understands the word of God. May revelation knowledge come unto you in the name of Jesus. He understands that God made him in his image, man fell. God sent Jesus back. 
And when Jesus arose from the dead, he says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And I give you authority. And with that authority, you can tread over serpents and scorpions, over all the powers of the enemies, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. This man remembers Deuteronomy 8.18, that it is God who gives him the power to make wealth. And the reason why God gives him that power to make wealth is that God wants to establish a covenant, his covenant with him. Deuteronomy 8.18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is today. He understands, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, that a man, he understands that he who, for who, sorry, makes you differ from another, and what do you have that you did not receive? You see, the natural man is his own boss. He believes that uh, everything that is, he has is because his brain is sharp, he's intelligent, and he's clever. So anything that he has, he knows it is his. Till one day, the Lord takes that breath of life out of him. But the child of God understands that his intelligence, his talents, his qualifications has been given to him by the Lord. That is the difference. Praise the Lord. And as such, if he lives, he lives unto the Lord. And when he dies, he dies unto the Lord. So when he comes, comes for him to live on this earth, all what he's waiting for is for the Lord to say, Thou faithful and wise servant. You see, at the end of the day, the commendation we need to hear from the Lord is thou faithful, you thou faithful and wise servant. May each of one, that is, may you hear that commendation at the end of everything. Because we will leave everything. What will be the commendation the Lord will say to us? Such a man understands that all his finances belong to him. Because not until we know that God owns it all, not until we know that the silver and the gold belongs to him, not until we know that this body belongs to God, it will become very difficult to surrender that which he has given to us back to him. But unfortunately, there is another man known as the carnal Christian. And this man is dangerous. And at times he's dangerous because generally he does not understand. But only a few do what they do just not because of ignorance but deliberate. Deliberate. Hallelujah. So you look at the carnal man. You see that Jesus is in the circle of his life. So in other words, he has received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. This man speaks in tongues. And when this man speaks in tongues, I'm telling you. And for this man, many of them, they've memorized the Bible. They know scriptures. They come to church every Sunday. But he has dethroned Jesus out of the throne. Jesus is in his life, but Jesus is not in the control of the affairs of his life. Jesus is out of the throne. He sits on the throne of his life, just like the natural man. But the difference between him and the natural man is that for him, in the circle of his life, Jesus is in his life. So he lives a life of legalism. Anything he wants to go to court. Listen, there are some things 
the courts are there. Government is there for you and for me. There are some things we have to take them to court. Are you hearing? There are some things, they are legal issues. But there are other things between you and your brother. It must be settled by the church. Except that it can't. So the law is not wrong. But there are some people, they listen. The guy is taking, the, before you become aware, lawyers are calling you. Then the guy will take you to court. <laughs> the thoughts are impure. Every day somebody is doing something wrong. Somebody is chopping church money. Somebody walking. Uh, impure thoughts. The thoughts are not pure. But the person is a Christian. The thoughts are impure. Jealous. Jealousy always goes with, with strife and envy. They don't understand why God should make Pastor Kingsley a gifted singer. They don't understand. But I'll be, I'll be a singer one day. You don't worry about me. And all the church will say, they don't understand. They, are they become so jealous of somebody's gifts that their code starts becoming small on them. And they live a life of guilt. They can't forgive themselves. May the Lord deliver. They live a life of worry. They live a life of discouragement. They are critical. Criticisms, when constructive, very helpful. But there are some people, anything they think, they can, because they can talk publicly, they should say something. And anything they say is to criticize. When, when you say something, say things that will build one another as a child of God. They live a life of frustration. They are so frustrated themselves. And they think they must infest everybody with their frustration. For many of them, their lives are aimless. And for such person, they are ignorant of their spiritual heritage. Ignorance of spiritual, that word there is ignorance. They are ignorant of that which God in his wisdom has made available for them. Why? You see, because of the impure thoughts and the legalistic attitudes, at times they think that God judges and looks at things as they see it. God doesn't do that. Before each or his own master, the person stands or falls. If God were to judge each one of us according to our shortcomings, nobody would be in the room today. Praise the Lord. And as much as we must help others to live well, it is not a remit to be judging them. And God doesn't go about judging us. He's, God is not a legalistic God. He is a God filled with grace and mercy. Amen. So they are filled with unbelief. We discovered from the spiritual man that one aspect of his life is that he trusts God. He understands God's word. And as such, he trusts God and he obeys God. But the carnal man, who is a Christian, lives in unbelief. He doesn't believe anything. And while the spirit-filled man lives a life of obedience, he lives a life of disobedience. When God says that this is, uh, that all the resources that you have is mine, and that I need a tenth of what I have given unto you, a time is coming, I'm going to seek uh, uh, accounts. What, what, what kind of God is that? The tithe is not for today. 
giving is not for today. I don't doubt. You see, for me, I don't think that a spirit-filled Christian must argue about 10%. Praise the Lord. If you take 10% of 100 pounds, how much is left? 90. And for me, I believe that the tithe is a guideline. And for those of us under grace, we must. The Lord taught me a long time ago to do more than 10%. And the truth is that at times because of the church's projects with the senior pastors, at times four months we've not received any salary. But God miraculously provides. Miraculously. Yesterday, three days ago, had a, somebody had put 50,000 pounds in the accounts for the church, for Wesley's house. 50. If you trust God and obey him and, and serve him and God knows that that which you are doing is right, you will, your, your oil will never run out. Your basket will never run dry. I have walked with this God and I stand here to and assure you that God is faithful. So they don't love anybody. They've lost their love for God and for others. Their prayer life, very, very poor. And there's no desire for Bible studies. They don't have time for that. They are legalistic. And one mark of them, of uh, uh, carnal Christians is that they are very immature. And we looked at that the last time where Paul says he could not feed them with milk because they are immature. Pastor Stanley spoke powerfully on that at the retreat. Understand, my brother and my sister, that in the wisdom of God, God only wants the best for you. Oh, are you here? God will not, you see, Jesus says the enemy comes to what? But for to what? Steal and then destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He steals the innocence of our young people. He steals our joy. He steals our finances. He steals our promotion. And he's a killer. Trying to kill people before their time. He kills people's dreams and visions. But the devil's major aim is to destroy. That your soul will be destroyed in hell. But minus you in the name of Jesus. But Jesus says, I have come. That what? And have it what? Abundantly. All what God desires for you and me is abundant life. And that abundant life is not only salvation. It is abundant joy, abundant peace, abundant rest, abundant finances, abundant health, abundant promotion. Because he says, I wish above all that you had, you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Let me tell you something very real. Nations that have discovered, you see, the constitutions of many of the developed countries are based on the Bible. The whole of Europe. That is why Italy and Poland vowed to come out of the EEC if they had removed a sentence about God in that constitution. They stood up against it. 
They wanted to take it out. But you see, we shouldn't be supporting people blindly. And I'm praying that many of you will take time to listen to some of the things Hillary Clinton was saying before the elections about Christianity. It will shock you. It will shock you to the core. <laughs> that thing she was saying about Christianity. And at times, who expected Trump? But God can use a Cyrus. A deliberate attempt to limit Christianity in the United States of America. Not that they say, hey, always. You think God is asleep? God is a living God. And you see, at times for many of us, don't go there, Pastor. Let me be careful. America, the United Kingdom, the whole of the Western world, and now Korea and Japan, they always give a percentage of their GDP to poor countries. And America gives more than any other country. Their GDP. And so every year in their budget, money is set aside for the poor. And for the underprivileged. You think God won't bless them. And for you and me as a child of God. And these are principles that are based on 41 tells us that blessed is the man who lend to the poor. The Lord will remember him in time of trouble. And they have come to know this. If you look at the very good institutions in our nation, Oxford, Cambridge, if you go to the USA, Yale, MIT, Stanford, Duke, all those top universities were started by Christians who believe they've had so much and they must in turn give to their next generation. And because they were founded on the faith of Christianity and giving, look at the inventions that has come out of these universities in the name of Jesus. Giving is a test of our obedience and trust in God. So if you, you are a Christian, what happened? Leave it till I ask you, yeah? Thank you very much. I thought I had done that, you know. So if you are a Christian and you don't allow the spirit to lead you and you become carnal in your walk with God, the danger is that you will live not only a life of disobedience, but you walk in, uh, sorry, in discouragement, but you walk in disobedience. And disobedient people do not receive the blessings of the Lord. So our giving and our stewardship is a test of our obedience and trust in God. Let me ask you a question this morning. What does your giving say to you? Does it say you are a spiritual Christian? Or does it say you are carnal? Or does it say you don't know Christ at all? Does it say you are greedy? Or does it say you are generous? Understand that God promises us security, but so also does money. Money is a defense, and it answers all things. But the question is that it is the promises and the blessings of the Lord that maketh rich and has no sorrow. 
Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain them that build it. Giving is an act of our worship. And the truth about our giving as we trust God and bring our th- the tenth that he has given to us to him, not only does God open uncommon doors for us, but his word becomes, is made manifest in our lives in the name of Jesus. You see, many of us, we live our lives like Jacob. All what Jacob understood when he was growing up as a young man was to be a taker. So anytime you see, jo- and the name Jacob means a corn man, a supplanter, a deceiver. And Jacob took the blessings of his brother and also took his birthright. Conspired with his mom and deceived that for that blessings. And because of that, he paid dearly for it. Spent 14 years as a fugitive working for his father-in-law who was a bigger cheat than himself. He did not know that Bathsheba was the headquarters of deception. So his wages were changed ten times. And when he saw a lady he had fallen in love with, he had to work 14 years. Can you imagine? This man, young man was so much in love that when the wrong woman was taken to him in the night, he couldn't even recognize it. Can you imagine? You would have thought that I'm telling you, If my wife speaks out of the crowd, I will hear her voice because I know her. But of course, in the oriental times, you you are not given that contact till the day of the marriage. But this man was so much in love. And you know, those days when they are bringing the bride, the face is covered. Some lights off. That's your bride. All over the woman, only to... You think you are a common? <laughs> Ten times salary changed. Had to serve. And the Bible says that the other seven years were like this. May your husband so love you. Uh, hallelujah. But you see, finally in despair, Jacob gets an encounter with God. Holds on to God. And says, if you do not bless me, I will not let you go. God blesses him. And God gives him a, prom- a promise. Deuteronomy, sorry, Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. May this promise be fulfilled in your life in the name of Jesus. And because of that promise, he takes a stone, builds a pillar or an altar, and says, this is God's house, and makes a vow to the Lord in Genesis 28, 22. Of all that you give me, I will surely give a tent to you. So tithing started with Abraham and was continued by Jacob before Moses was born. Is somebody hearing me? He says, all that you give to me, if you Take me and bring me back safely. Everything you give to me, I'll give a tenth of it back to you. I am praying that. May the Lord help us to understand that in our, you see, 
One of the major churches that has preserved Christianity is the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, they don't worry themselves about tithe. Why? It is the richest church in the world. And most over 70% of the rich people in the world are Catholics. And you know what they do? They bequeath houses. They bequeath their legacies. They bequeath uh, uh, their institutions to the Catholic Church. When you go to the United States of America, the Baptist Church, besides the Catholic Church, is the largest denomination in the United States of America. And the legacies that people leave for the Baptist Church in the United States of America is unbelievable. But they teach very well on the time. And when you go to the United States of America, you will discover that many of the millionaires and the billionaires in the United States are Baptists. But they are far right. <laughs> hey! So I want you to know that the tithe, when we talk about money, is not about law, it is about God. Abraham began it, Jacob continued it, Moses commanded it. Malachi confirmed it, and Jesus commended it. And, and the truth about the spirit-filled man, take me back to the spirit-filled man, the second diagram, is that it proves your obedience to God. The benefit is that it proves your obedience as a spirit-filled Christian and not a carnal Christian. And you and I know that obedience is better than sacrifice. The second thing that it does is that it defines my priorities. You see, so for this spirit-filled man, his giving to the Lord defines his priorities. And his priorities is that he will live a is that the life that he lives is centered on Christ. He is empowered by the Holy Spirit. He has an effective prayer life, but most importantly, he understands God's word. And because he understands, he trusts God and he obeys God's word. So it defines his priorities. It activates divine favor and blessings. In any church where 100% of the church ties, the heavens are open 100% over the whole church. May the Lord teach our hearts into giving. And understand that giving is to our own benefit in the name of Jesus. And my, you see, my prayer this morning is that may the Lord help us to walk in total obedience. The Lord says he will open the store, the, the windows of heaven for you and for me. God is not a man that he should lie. And he says, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. So the fourth benefit of your giving and walking in obedience and trusting God is that it allows God to, to, to intervene divinely on your behalf. Listen, there are some things about money. Regardless of what you do, you will need God to rebuke that devourer. And for some of us, investments upon investments gets nowhere. May the Lord rebuke the devourer for you in the name of Jesus. And not only that, it brings divine blessings. And let, can I have all the three diagrams on the stage as I close? Do you have it? 
Pastor C sent it to you. She sent it. So you will see that as a child of God, you have to ask yourself in the light of who you are as to whether you are a natural Christian or whether you are a spirit, Christ-directed, spirit-filled Christian, a spiritual person, or whether you are a carnal Christian. Your giving will be determined by who you are in the light of how you see yourself as a child of God. Is somebody hearing me? And my prayer is that may the Lord open the heavens for us as a church in the name of Jesus. I didn't hear you. May we as a church begin to experience the uncommon blessings of the living God. May we as a church never lack. Oh, you are not here today. May your children enter and receive the best of degrees in the name of Jesus. When your children finish university, they will not struggle to receive and get good jobs. Why? Because you have already done the grand works for them. When the enemy attacks your children, they have literally attacked God. And in the fullness of time, the Lord will intervene. Understand that your obedience and my obedience to God must be total. TBC, may we never be carnal when it comes to our giving. Please. And you know, today I've, here I'm saying all this, but there will be those who will say, listen to what he's saying. Yeah. There, are, there are people that they won't be bothered. And there are people, God, but there are about 15%, 10 to 15% here in this church. They are giving, their tithe is by standing order. The church can budget with them. And uh, not everybody is by, by standing order, but many of them by standing order. But there are people here, any budget that the church does, you know that with these people, the church can be run. May the Lord help us. May you be one of those. And as we move to Oasis House, may the Lord touch your heart and touch my heart to be faithful in our giving. Father, I honor you for your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch our hearts from today and that as we live here, giving will no longer be a struggle for us. We will remember that all that we have has been given to us by you. And that we will be faithful and serve you diligently. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the people of God will shout and say, Amen. Glory to God.